Hello there. This morning on the Somerset Marketing Hub online meeting, we shared reasons why you're not getting the business you think you deserve and moreover, what you can do about it. And we recorded that call for your benefit. So if you've got uh, a little bit of time to look into why you're not getting the business, and I'm not just talking about the pandemic, that sets a different set of issues on top of the main reason you're not getting the business. There's simple factors that I've learned over the last 20 years, and I share each of them, and moreover, what you can do about them. And what I would like to do is to share that video now. So before you go investing in expensive campaigns and before you go revamping your website and paying per click, etc., just check out these 10 points. Fix them first and then do the rest. Because if you don't fix them first, it's like a colander. You're attracting business and it's slipping right through a very leaky colander or bucket uh, and you're losing business right, left and centre. Trust me, I've been doing this for 20 years and I know I'm right. So uh, check it out. All the best. Good morning, everybody. It's Paul Clegg here, and we're going to talk today about why most people, maybe you, don't get the business you deserve and what you can do about it. And this is an element of marketing that people don't understand is marketing, and it's about referral strategies. It's about recommendations. So I read an interesting statistic, read an interesting statistic recently, and that's that 70% of people trust recommendations, but only 10% of people trust advertising. And yet, we don't think recommendations are necessarily a marketing tool, yet we think advertising is. So when we're thinking about getting more business from uh, our marketing, we tend to focus on advertising. And there's no problem with that, whether that's digital advertising on Facebook, whether it's digital uh, uh, advertising through uh, other channels. And yet recommendations are something that maybe just happen. Let me explain. For a, almost 20 years, I've been involved with an organization called BNI, Business Network International, and they focus primarily on referrals. It's a word that comes in, comes up at their meetings, maybe 20 or 30 times a meeting. And I've recently decided that I think that misleads a lot of people, particularly people who are looking at that organization for the first time. I looked up the definition of a referral, and just as I thought, it tends to relate to the medical profession. Uh, it's where the directing of a patient to a medical specialist or a GP, person whose case has been referred to a specialist doctor. So it's no wonder people become confused. However, if you look about, if you look at the word recommendation, and there's a couple of suggestions there, it's the action of recommending something or someone. It's an endorsement, it's a commendation, it's a good word, it's a favorable mention. And there's many ways we can do that online. So the first myth, and I think the first thing that people miss out on is you do a great job, you offer great service, and still you leave money on the table. And I think the problem with that is doing a good job is not enough. When you deliver stuff, products or service, 
you hopefully they meet your the, the, the client's expectations. They expect you to deliver what you've said you do. And just as you then move on and you don't give them a second thought, they don't give you a second thought. If you do an outstanding job, if, as we've said on previous meetings, you give wow, something that they don't expect at a time they don't expect it, and you make them feel really special, they may be predisposed to recommend you. And of course, we get recommendations in that way. And so the majority of people I've found sit back, do a good job and think that that's not enough, that, that that's enough. And I, I'm here to tell you it's not. The second uh, reason people don't get the business they should from recommendations is they don't ask for them. And if you don't ask, you don't get. I don't know why we don't do this. Um, it's maybe we feel awkward. Maybe we feel it's a bit pushy. Maybe we don't know how to ask or when to ask. But if somebody's had a great service, if they become a customer and they become a regular customer, especially, they love what you do. They love the value they give. There's a whole load of people that they know that potentially you could tap into or that you could be recommended to. And yet, for the most part, we don't ask. I think this comes back mainly to the fact that it's easy to take our regular customers for granted. And I know on a previous meeting, we've talked about putting some uh, bones around the whole marketing process and, and really deciding what the value of a customer is uh, to begin with in terms of monetary value, long-term value, because in that way you can know how much you're able to or prepared to spend to acquire a customer. But I think the other part of valuing a customer is that we really do value them, that we stay in touch, that we build a relationship. And well, like any relationship, it is permissible to ask them for an introduction. You see, because you've done such a great job and you always uh, uh, look and appear as if you're very successful, we've got a very good way of doing that, even when we've got no business coming through, I don't think you need any business. So finding out and discussing how uh, you ask, when you ask, and what you say is very important. I think number three is that and there's a number of people on this particular call uh, that when we've had uh, open access to meetings, uh, we will network. And uh, there's lots of places we can network. I mean, there's network meetings. There's no shortage of those. There's exhibitions that people can go to and meet up with people that we have lost touch with, build relationships, meet new people. There's all sorts of networks. And now digitally online, there's uh, all sorts of networks. But I think for the main part, and I've sometimes been guilty of this uh, at other networks, that I've just turned up to see what's going on. I think it's very important that we network with a purpose, that we network and we're prepared. Because if 70% of the business is done through recommendation, surely it's worth a little bit of our time to be prepared, knowing what we're going to say, how we're going to approach, who we want to meet, and more important, how we're going to develop those relationships after those meetings. Number four, Jim Rohn, a great hero of mine, sadly dead now, you will become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And I think that has never been so true. I think that's why when people get together in business groups and they're meeting on a regular basis, they build relationships and they tend to uh, 
they, they tend to rise to the level of the people in terms of conversation, the, uh, uh, their positivity or, or outlook. But where I'm referring to this in, in this case is that I think it's very important as part of your strategy for networking, whether it's online or offline, is to surround yourself with people that share the same attitude, but more important, the same market sector that you're targeting. Um, and so, for instance, if you're in the building business, you will want to surround yourself with people that provide other building services. If you're in the legal services, you'll want to surround yourself with accountants, with uh, lawyers, with financial advisors. And if you're in the marketing sector, as uh, uh, Ewan and Kelly and myself are, you'll want to surround yourself with people uh, that operate in, in that market because you can each bring something to the party. Also, the language you use and the shared interest actually automatically binds you together. It's easier for uh, me to have a conversation with you and and, and, uh, and Kelly than perhaps it is with myself and Mark because Mark I perceive as being very clever because he does numbers and uh, although I can do numbers it's not it's not my passion. So this number four is about surrounding yourself with people that share the same market sector, the same target audience that potentially you can work with. Um, and that is key. So there's a strategy that people can think out ahead. And when you're when you're opening up and doing your networking, you can actually seek out those people and start to build relationships with those people because they're most more likely to see the potential. Uh, last week, I did my first live interview. I was able to get over and I, I interviewed Andrew Snell. And um, there it was uh, quite fascinating to be able to delve into his particular business. Uh, but he, I will now share that on LinkedIn and I'll almost guarantee that will attract people that are in that same market sector with a chance of working together with him. I'm talking about LinkedIn. For those people who are selling B2B, that's business to business, most people don't take LinkedIn seriously enough. And by the way, I didn't. When it first came out, I'm, I'm one of the first to, ju first to jump on anything uh, social online. Uh, I got myself an account. Uh, so I've got myself my, my actual name, Paul Clegg, uh, on the back end. And uh, I never did anything with it. And when people wanted to connect with me, I felt it was rude not to. So I would collect all these people. And I think I've got about 1,500 contacts now. But you know, LinkedIn, now owned by Microsoft, is the largest network of business to business people. So if that's where your audience is, is that's where your potential uh, marketing partners are in terms of working together with those five or so people, then I think that's a place that we should be spending more time if we are digitally. And when I've suggested this uh, to people, uh, it very often comes back, well, goodness me, I'm busy as it is. I don't have time to do that. Yet they're turning up at networking events every week or every fortnight. They're probably spending a couple of hours on that, you know, 20 minutes every second day would probably get you far more results if you know what you're doing and i'm not pretending for a minute i'm an expert on linkedin maybe that's a subject that we could cover at one of our meetings there's a couple of really good guys maybe i can invite over to uh, share some of their secrets so uh when it comes to leaving money on the table i think many of us just don't take linkedin seriously enough when our business is uh, about business to business 
I think the other thing is, uh, the number six is, it's not all about you and what you do. And what I mean by this is that I have attended a lot of networking events, a lot. And I'm always fascinated and interested in the people that walk through the room for the first time. And I'd like to think I know how to handle that, but the majority of people don't. They think, ah, it's somebody I can sell to. So there's the idea that that person says, what is it you do? And so you gush forth. And a lot of people do a lot more talking than they do listening. And um, they talk about what they do and they straight away position themselves alongside everybody that does what you do. So if Mark was to uh, say that he was an accountant, he's automatically put in a box with all the other accountants and they're certainly not standing out. Some people will teach you to do elevator pitches. I really am not sure I've ever enjoyed elevator pitches. I think it's far more interesting to actually ask meaningful questions of the people I'm meeting and then look to connect with them with somebody in that meeting. I never ever sell, never ever, um, uh, you know, I, I hold back. I can talk for Britain actually, I can talk for Somerset. In fact, I was in the, in the annual concerts, I was second only to Rod Major, but uh, good job he's on moot. Uh, but I think uh, it's a, if you're looking to find out about people, to build relationships, to understand people, where they're coming from, uh, you really do need to ask questions and you need to observe what's happening. And I don't mean interrogate people, but finding out is far more important. It's not about you and it's not about what you do. It's how you add value. Uh, so if, you, if people are um, uh, going to ask you about what you do, uh, then it's important that you already have prepared exactly what it is or no not what you do how you add value you know so i might say uh, i help people get in front of more people who want to buy uh, stuff like yours uh, so you waste a lot less time chasing people who don't so you know that's that would be my default which doesn't say very much but perhaps provides some curiosity and i think the next thing is to exchange get a card uh, because the business is not done there. The relationship's not building, uh, uh, being built at that networking event. It's built afterwards, and that's where most people fail. There is no afterwards for most people. The next thing is you don't do what you say you will do. And uh, I'm a big believer in watching what people do, not what they say. People have a good talk, but people form opinions about what people do. Uh, and what people do when they think nobody's watching. Believe me, everybody's watching. They're watching you online. Uh, they're checking your business out before. We discussed that earlier. But when you've met somebody, you're about to meet somebody. The first place I go to is LinkedIn uh, and to see how they are on, on there. But if you say you're going to do something, you really need to do it. You need to take a note and actually do that thing that you said you do. So if you promise to send something to somebody, you need to make a note and make sure that's sent off. Um, number eight, and this is the big one. If you could solve one thing in your networking, it would be this. Most people do not stay in touch. I can't count the number of times I've addressed groups of meeting uh, meetings and talking about the importance of staying in touch. And yet after that meeting, I'll always send a thank you email. I'll always say good to meet you, et cetera. It won't be salesy. There'll be no suggestion of a sale. Um, 
uh, I'll, I'll personalize it maybe. Uh, I have a template that I use and then I personalize that template, but I do stay in touch and I make sure uh, as best I can to stay in touch. And does that mean to say that everybody you meet will be a suitable referral partner or, or recommendation partner, or marketing partner? No, it won't. There's some people you meet that you don't particularly like or, or first impressions, they don't impress you. But there's no harm in being polite and uh, at least kicking off uh, a message. And very often I send messages to people after a meeting and I don't hear back, but I don't, I'm not keeping score. Um, uh, there could be a good reason for that. But for the most part, most businesses to have no method, no system for staying in touch. There's lots of CRM systems, customer relationship systems out there. There's lots of ways you can do that. I think the majority of people, they just, because they're on Outlook or Apple Mail or whatever, they find, they've got so many things to do. When you leave a meeting, all hell lets loose. And, and, and so that meeting is, is you know, is gone. Um, I use something called HubSpot Free. Uh, it, HubSpot's got some really clever stuff. Uh, and if you want the full package, you're into about $100 a month, and that's fine. I don't particularly need that. I have the HubSpot Free, and I have it for two key reasons. I can scan a business card in seconds. It's very accurate. And I can also have, in the free version, five templates that are pre-prepared. And so I have one that says introduction after uh, a meeting. And I can pull that down. I can add something to it at the top, and bang, it's gone. And I can scan the dozen cards in about 10 minutes. And uh, I can also set in that uh, software a follow-up uh, for three days. It's automatically there is a follow-up for three days. I've set it as that. And then in three days' time, I'm reminded that I met those people I've not heard back from, and then I want to develop the relationship I can do. So that's a useful one for yourselves. But if you've got a better system or you've got your own system, but you need a system, you see, your business is very much large, uh, largely dependent upon the audience you have. You think people with the biggest audiences, biggest business, they've got the largest audience. And yet we've met so many people and we've never gathered that data. We've never gathered that list. And people say the value of your business is related to the size of the list. I think the value of your business is related to the relationship you have with that list. So it's very important not only to make sure that you capture data from everybody you've ever met and get it into some meaningful list in the easiest way possible and they find a way to stay in touch because you never know when those people, and just as, uh, as Barry has said, you just never know when that business will break. 82% of all sales take place after the seventh touch and we're just not making more than one touch. Uh, I, I know that to be true because I've attended thousands of networking events. Number nine, I've really just touched on this. You don't spend enough time building, nurturing, and developing your network. And I think I've just covered that in, in number seven. And there's different ways in which you can do that by adding value. I think one of the most important things, of course, is if you are creating a list, you do sometimes, you do have to at least tag or segment that list. Uh, I make sure I take a note of the date, and you can easily do this on HubSpot, the date I've met them, and I put them in some sort of list of interest or I tag them with what their maybe interest or I'll just add a few notes so I can relate back uh, if I'm about to meet that person again. But lists are very important because you may want to send out uh, some information to those people. Um, and uh, what I do in, incidentally, what I do in my emails 
uh, when I was uh, meeting, uh, when I've met somebody I'm following up. <coughs> I suggest that we stay in touch, never use the word follow up. Uh, stay in touch is far easier. And uh, I recommend that we stay in touch on LinkedIn uh, because that makes it easier. I've got two points of contact there. And finally, when it comes to word of mouth, are you a passenger or a driver? You see, the driver knows where they're going. The passenger just goes along. Uh, they passively going along think that business will come to them through word of mouth. I ask the majority of people in business, how you get most of your business? And they will say word of mouth, but they're not getting anywhere near as much as they could be doing if they were the driver. Anybody want to kick off with any questions or thoughts or their own uh, addition to what I've just said? Yes, Barry. Yeah, microphone. <laughs> yeah. I've only been doing this for three months. <laughs> right. So one of the things that, that you briefly touched on was um, was preparation. And and I don't think you can underplay that in in the in the networking scenario. If someone said to me, Barry, you've got 40 seconds. What do you do? Out it comes. It's, it's there. I, I know what I'm going to say. Um, if they say to me, you've got two minutes. Oh, I can, I can use the long one. Uh, uh, but they're there. They're ready. They're practiced. Yes, Rod, they are practiced. Um, but, but you have to have a picture in your mind that you, you can confidently give um when, when you go up to someone and say what do you do and i go well um uh, uh, you think well do i want to do business for that person if they don't know what they do it's, it's one of the real basic building blocks of being successful at networking and and you're absolutely absolutely right two of these one of those it's you know it's an old saying but it's it's absolutely true i think one of the challenges barry is that we've got to remember why people go to networking events they go to networking breakfast. events sausages. they want well the breakfast they want they want business they want to do business and and i did this when i first went to a bni meeting in newbury i was very guilty at this coming especially coming from a sales and marketing background i saw everybody as a prospect um I saw some better prospects than others, so they'd get pinned to a wall and I would try and sell them my stuff. And I think that's the worst thing you can do. You, it's very difficult not to do it if you're in the habit of doing that, but you've got to take it out. You've got to leave your ego at the door and you've got to take a real genuine interest. And if you're still thinking about what you're going to say in your two minutes or your 10 minutes or whatever, you're not really it's not as easy to listen because you're still thinking of that uh, so if you've got that prepared you can free up your time to take a genuine interest and really make eye contact and listen people feel that people know whether you're interested or not you know there's so many hidden and i think maybe simon would uh, comment on this there's so many hidden parts of body language when you're with people uh, i remember the first person i ever met at a business, the first person that greeted me at my first ever BNI meeting shook my hand and wasn't looking, he was looking over my shoulder. He didn't make eye contact. I took an instant dislike to that man. As it was, I didn't hold that against him and I, you know, I got to have a good relationship with him after that. But, you know, I wonder how many people were put off by that, that, that not that eye contact. 
Yes, Rod. I think also, you know, a flaky approach, flake, being flaky in business is really bad news. I mean, I don't like flaky people full stop. I like people that say they're going to do something and follow through. And it's like my approach on the market, if you take something like that, <clears throat> I'm there every week. I don't always get, um, you know, someone to follow up, but I always get someone to speak to. It's about building that relationship with your goal or your target audience and, and 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 like going to four networking meetings and i mean i go along on the same meeting as barry you've got to be there every week you know some people turn up wherever they want to you know and it, it, you build a relationship with the nucleus of the people that um you get on with people buy people don't they they don't buy their products or service they buy people first and if you're not a likable person for one reason or another you know you've got them to be your expert not everybody's got a a, a, you know a buzzing personality like Barry you know so I mean that's how I look at it I think you if you say you're going to do something do it I think um, can I just pick up on that Rod uh, can I just pick up on that um, yeah. I think we do tend to uh, warm to and, and relate to people we get on with and I think that's why at networking events if you're not careful you can have little cliques I think it's very important that it could be that somebody else that you're not building a relationship with uh, could very well be you could be able to help that person they could be able to help you it's just they're a little bit shy a bit reticent there's not a ready likeness so it's very important to to uh, explore those as well but in the end all things being equal uh, you can't be all things to all people you will tend to, it's easy to build relationships but uh, you know you wouldn't ignore that and, and I'm glad you turn up to four networking every week, given that they only meet every two weeks. So I don't know what you do on your own in, the, in between. But uh... <laughs> anybody else? Yes, Ewan. Um, I think it's a it's a fascinating area because Kelly and I, you know, I've I've been running this business for 13 years, and and we've run the new business for four or five months. And networking is something. I've never actively done. The first time I came was when I met you, Paul, at Wells. And I think the most interesting thing that you said to me in that thing is being the driver, not the passenger. And, you know, I was, before all this lockdown happened, that was my next area was to get involved in some of the networking because it's, it's an area that I simply don't know. You know, I've done marketing all my life. I know marketing, but I know very much a technical area of marketing. And that idea of being the driver and not the passenger, I think, probably that we're still very much passengers we always say i've always got business from recommendation but if you ask me have i actively gone out and actively done it no i haven't it's always just fallen in my lap luckily so now having to shift that towards actively being more active i suppose in it is it's quite a challenge actually this is not an area i know it is and 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 bear in mind i've spent thousands and thousands of hours involved in this very subject and uh, um, and especially turning I used to say turning business cards into business exchanging of business cards is great for Barry but it very rarely leads to business because people just dump the cards they put them in a in a box or they put them in a drawer and never look at them again they don't have a means of taking them putting them in digital so that's the first thing I would ever recommend and um, and I think because because people are not sure there you go there you go and we know what price we can get good cards from from barry um i've got seven think, blocks of those sorry i've got seven blocks like that 
Good. Oh, oh, those are other people's cards. Yeah, oh yeah. All right, I'm going to challenge you now. Is that where they are? Or, or have you put them into some digital form? Um, the vast majority are wrapped up in an elastic band in that drawer. Probably less than 10%, and that might be an exaggeration, are on a um, Excel spreadsheet that I use for my CRM. There's there's a big I, gap I, where you're losing business. Yeah, yeah. Can, uh, can it's I good for your business because if you gather everybody's cards, you can go and sell them more. <laughs> well, this is true. I always take printed matter and recycle it. I, I might even read it sometimes. Um, right. So one of the things that you also need to do at a networking meeting or, or a BNI meeting, whatever, whatever one it is, is follow up. You're absolutely right. When you're at the meeting, you don't want to be the push, push, buy my shit person. You want to be the person that's, that, you know, six hours later pops up on LinkedIn and says, morning, Simon, met you for the first time this morning at the at Paul's uh, chat show. Um, can we can we connect on here? Uh, and then you start that step two and then you go on to step three and step four. And it's you start that process. Um, but it's always nice when someone says, oh, met you this morning. Can I connect? You go, oh, you like me. And then you go, as, as Rod said, you, you people do business with people. And instead of seeing that bloke with a stupid um, thong hanging from his banner, he, he's the bloke that oh. followed up with me. I think staying in touch is important. Uh I went through a phase of staying in touch in order to be able to get get my point over. So I'd, I'd, I'd be very quick to do one-on-ones. In fact, very, very quickly, I used to say to new members, we need to get together. I need to know more about how I can help you get business. But it, it was a little bit of a, of a fib, if I'm honest. Uh, it was a matter of let's get together over a coffee and I've got more time to sell you my stuff. I stopped that a long time ago. And I found that by taking a genuine interest, um, people know. And if you take a genuine interest, because I I stop thinking about the person I'm speaking to. I'm not thinking about Simon buying my services. Okay? It's about where, you know, is there something we have in common? Is there something we could develop? Uh, but it's genuinely about finding a bit more because... It doesn't cost me anything to put Simon in touch with somebody that might help him. The fact that we have not been in touch for a long time, I've, uh, I'm sure that uh, he doesn't necessarily think of me and I don't necessarily think of Simon's, but it's because we've not stayed in touch, except maybe on, we've seen each other's uh, posts on, on, uh, on Facebook. And things like Facebook can serve that purpose, but it's having that, that attitude, I think, that the people in your meeting, the people in your network, the people you're speaking to is not necessarily your prospect and they don't need to be. You see, so I always think that one person has got, even if they were, they can only, they're only one purchase, but they know so many people that if I can build a relationship, if I can establish the trust, if they know that I'm genuine and I have a certain level of expertise, then there's a whole host of people that they could recommend me to. And that is far more powerful than the person getting a sale from the person in front of you. So it's a slightly different approach that I developed over 
many, many years, but I wish I'd have developed them a bit quicker. I wish I'd have learnt about them a bit quicker. Anybody else any any other points? I, yes, Kelly. Um, I was just, as you were saying about building relationships, um, many years ago I used to be in PR, this is like in the early 2000s, and we used to do, um, we take the local, you know, the journalists that we needed to build relationships with out for journo drinks. And it was interesting because, as you say, you get, I would go in, I knew they didn't want to be there any more than we really did. Um, so I would go in and just start talking to people. Tell me about you. What do you do? And um, what are you interested in? You know, tell me about you. And actually, because I was the only one probably who went in and just asked them about what they're interested in and let them talk about their roller skating or their sailing or whatever it was and actually engaged with them. I and I didn't do it for any other reason than I didn't want to go in and do the hard sell it was just embarrassing and I'd see other of my colleagues other young account execs going in trying to pitch their clients straight to this guy because they've got him um and you could you could just see the body language they would just go oh I'm not talking to you and in the end I'd be sat there people now you know having another beer and chatting and then when I phoned them because I had to sell something into them you know an article for a client they would actually just take the call. They would always go, oh, hello, how are you? Oh, have you been sailing? Yeah, yeah. And then they'd take the call and often I'd, so I actually got, I hated PR. It was like being a double glazing salesperson. They just, journalists just want to put the phone down on you. But I actually got a really good network and people were like, oh, you're really good at this. And it's like, because I'm just asking about people. And actually the funny thing is I really don't want to be here. So, um, but yeah, it, it just like say, building relationships and taking an interest in the other person really helped, so. I think I think if you if you like it's easier for people that like people and you may think it's also easier for people that are a little bit outgoing. Um, a lot of people don't like networking events or big crowds uh, and it'd be interested to ask and find out why. And I think part of that will be that they feel they're going to be sold to. They're not sure how to uh, how to strike up conversations. Um, I think they're some of the the challenges that people have. I I've always, when I've meet anybody for the first time, I, I I I'm looking for something that I'm looking out of interest for where they're coming from, um, why they're doing. I, I can't I can't. I think if you're not careful, it can sound like a bit of an interrogation. I'll come to your second rod, uh, but um, I tend to look for the little things that we might have in common. Sometimes it's an accent, uh, you know, so very often it's, uh, is this is this an event you come to on a regular basis? Where have you come from? Where do you live? Where, where's, I can't quite work out where you're from originally, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I find somebody that's a football fan or, or, or something we have in common. I was once, and this is quite interesting from Barry's point of view, I was once given a business card by a guy called Thomas Power. In fact, I feature his what he said about me in a follow-up uh, email, and I've always treasured that because it was quite pithy. Um, on the back of his card were 50 keywords. And I remember some of them now. Italian, ice cream, um, uh, I think Chelsea, blah, 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 um, where he was from, what he was interested in, 50. And you think, well, what's that going to do with his business? That wasn't what it was there for. I wish it, I, sometimes I think I ought to have, do that myself. But you turn it over and you suddenly found that you had something in common. I mean, I love Italian food, but I also love ch uh, ice cream. If you have dark chocolate biscuits on there, then I'm a pal for life. Rod, you had a, a so that's an interesting thought about how he 
cleverly used his business cards uh, to because um, uh, he was using them at first meetings and he was looking at them to see if he can build some sort of relationship. I think also, I think Andy Bounds used to tell me that when he sent invoices out on the back of the invoice, which is free space, he would have printed testimonials and the sort of business he was looking for. Because one of the things I didn't mention uh, in that, in that uh, in the short presentation is that very often we are not specific enough in asking for who we want to be introduced to, what type of businesses. Uh, we tend to use the word anybody, you know, anybody or somebody that could use my services. Now, you really have to be laser targeted because using the word anybody and somebody, we can't readily think about that. Rod, you had a point. Yeah, uh, 100 years ago when I was doing events and um, I, I, I can remember we de developed with a business coach uh, a series of icebreakers, ways of getting business people to talk to each other. So not necessarily like Kelly having a glass of wine, although I think that might have been more interesting, quite frankly. Um, and one of those was speed networking. Now that's speed dating for business, and it's been done everywhere now, but at that time it never been done. And I remember the Plymouth Chamber asking me permission if they could do it down there. And then we did blind date networking. And then we also did um, a, a networking where you found that the other half of a joke, you know. So, and it wasn't about, the joke, it wasn't about the, you know, it was, all, it was about getting people together um, because, of course, they, they're not they're not used to talking to each other about their businesses. And uh, that was that was a very interesting time. And I think my protege at the time is still doing uh, what I was what I started doing many, many moons ago. Um, he may have even raised the bar. And that's, of course, a pun on his name. But uh, so there we are. Chris Barnsworth. Yeah. Simon, you, you, we, we, I said, guess we've talked a lot about the psychology of, of networking, and you've certainly oh, yeah. done enough. Um, do you do you share any of those thoughts? Have you got any of the any additional things that you found as a, as um, in in the psychology of the way people meet people and relate and, and build up and start relationships? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's two ways, two simple ways of looking at how people start relationship or how people work. And network a room so you look at it from a very obvious behavioral perspective so I walk into a room that's got 40 people in it for example and I see four people with a closed lang closed situation closed bodies I don't go there I see somebody at the end of the coffee table on their own I can go there I see somebody in a group of five where they're more circular and more open they're they're happy for me to go and talk to them so I think when you go into a room there are different ways of looking at the groups and the people within the room to say, I can approach that person and they will be open to an approach. So I think there's that. The idea of people not being um, comfortable with being sales, um, and, and to answer your previous question, yes, I have done sales sales training work, um, is, is a little bit, if you take that on a behavioral approach, yes, people don't like to be sold to. If you take that on a deeper psychology level, it's about the, what we call in-groups and out-groups. It's about conformity and fitting in on a psychobabbly level. And there are ways to get around that to support people like me, because I'm inherently an introvert. So groups I don't like. Your speed networking events, I wouldn't touch them with a barge pole. They're just not my cup of tea. But if I had to do it, I can flip my styling to enable me to do it 
and then walk away and still feel comfortable. So there are many approaches and techniques to fit in to do a job and then come away again. Um, and, and as I say, sometimes it's looking at the proclivities of an individual. I'm, I'm much more of a thinker until asked a question and then I talk for hours. Um, so <laughs> there, there, there are lots of different ways of looking at how people go about networking. For me, um, BNI was great because whilst I'm an introvert, I love the structure of it. Um, 4N I've been a member of, and again, I like the structure of that. What I struggle with, and these, this is then relating to what you talked about, was in my, my sector's been mixed where I've gone and what I've done, which is why I'm honing down what I'm trying to do now, um, has been quite mixed. So the idea of finding five people in the psychobabble world um, that are happy to, to connect and be have a relationship, certainly in psychotherapy and counseling world, is it's like looking for hen's teeth because they don't want to know. It's a real bizarre, bizarre piece. Testimonials in my work is extremely difficult. I think we've mentioned this in the past. Um, because of the, the 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 requirements around confidentiality, what people can say and what people can't say, and getting written permission, all sorts of big things. And I know that exists anyway, but I might be seeing somebody, for example, um, who's committed a crime, and yeah, I had a great chat with Simon. It doesn't fit. So there's some issues around that. So you're right in being very very careful about who you select, who you work with, and 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 what the 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 level of reciprocity is around that. Um, <clears throat> the rapport piece and the relationship. I'll challenge. There are some really good psychology models out there and working models that you can walk into a room, you can com be completely not liking anybody in the room, and walk out with everybody's business card, and you have a relationship with everybody, and they think you're brilliant. And they are so quick and so easy. I, I, um, but yeah, so I can go on for hours. I'll shut up. By the way, sorry. the dog escaped and he's, he, he doesn't like other dogs. So that's that's why I had to go. <laughs> he got oh, out of the house. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> it's um, a big animal as well. I, yeah, I, I find psychology fascinating, especially oh, when it yes. comes to, uh, I, I think men are problem solvers and uh, I tend to want to help people with a solution. I found it doesn't work with women. Mm -hmm. uh, women just want to talk about their problems. They don't want a solution. Am I right, Kelly? Yes, that's, that's the traditional thing, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, then I yeah. do that problem solving. I forget my friends come to me and I forget they want to listen. I'm like, oh, you could fix that like this. And they're like, yeah, I just wanted to talk. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, that's yes. right. Carry on. That's Another right. hour later. Keep going. It's cool. <laughs> uh, the uh, there's two points there that you mentioned, Simon. I hate speed uh, speed networking because I'm I'm always on that that mindset that it's about relationships. However, I did write and I, I I was looking through some old files. I've got a ten points you need to know about speed dating. Speed speed. There you go. Speed networking. Uh, I might share that in the Facebook group um but uh so there is there is a way but i've always felt it was a a rush way that everybody was selling to me so uh, and that i felt i had to do the same and that just doesn't work uh in my view there is an art to it i'm sure rod would certainly be able to tell you uh even if it's only about speed dating um but the other thing you're talking about the challenges that you say you've had and about the confidentiality 
Um, the only point I would make here is that when I've said earlier, it's not about what you do, it's what you're what the other person is left with after you've done what you do. And inevitably, uh, that is an emotional feeling. It's you've helped solve a problem and it's how they feel about that. So um, uh, so yeah. I think I think stories in a and this is why I think Rod is a master, because when he's talking, to, you know, when you're talking with him, he really isn't getting into anything, any big words, but he tells some great stories. Um, and I think stories are absolutely gold because people can relate to. So you're talking about, for instance, the person that's committed a crime. I'm quite fascinated as to what he did, uh, what his issues were and how you helped him. So you could produce a story around that uh, that that some of us are related to so that when we meet our criminal friends, we might be able to push them your way. <laughs> Um, so, so I think, although we've just covered a number of points, I think you can go into each one of those points and, uh, and and talk through how you develop it. I think what is very clear, though, is that networking seems just an easy thing to do, just as marketing seems an easy thing to do. But if you're going to turn those initial business cards or those initial meetings into business introductions, then there's a lot more work goes into it. And where I've always found it gold is that uh, Rod could tell us how good he is as a funeral director. Barry can say what a great printer he is. But when we, when they both of them can get a lot of other people telling people they know how good they are, that's even more. That is far more valuable because we expect Rod to tell you how good he is and we expect Barry to tell you how good he is. But if other people start to tell me how good Barry is, somehow I'm going to pick up on that. And that is where, where we want to get to. So how you do that, you don't do it in the first meeting. You do it by building some of the things that we've talked about. Well, was I right? How many of those 10 areas are you just not doing? And they're not expensive to fix. You can fix them so easily, but you need to fix them because otherwise you've got a bucket that's leaking. You're spending money and time to attract new business, but they're leaking through your system because you're not doing the majority of those things that I've just covered. I guarantee it. 20 years experience tells me that this is where businesses miss on, miss out on the small stuff that just happens to be the big stuff. All the very best. Speak to you soon.